Hey everybody, thanks for joining us on Code Chat. I'm your host, Jeremy Foster, and I am joined today by Mark Michaelis. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. Good. Mark has been on the show a couple times in the past. Uh, It it must be that you are uh, able to present yourself that I keep inviting you back. I, to I, I don't know what the secret is. I'm not sure yet. And you I, know code and you, you know how to talk. You haven't wised up yet. I think that's the problem. <laughs> well, we were talking about what, you know, what kind of a cool code thing do we want to talk about on Code Chat? And Mark's uh, special sauce is in-depth knowledge of C Sharp. You've written some books. You do a ton of work in the inside of C Sharp and .NET, I right? do, I do. I'm actually working on my next book right now, so hopefully really? I'll get that done soon. Yeah. Is it going to be kind of the same title? Yeah, just an update from C Sharp 6 to go to C Sharp 7, so right. we're, working, we're working on that. So. All right. That's a lot of work, isn't it? It's more than you can imagine. Anybody <laughs> who says, I want to write a book, my job is to discourage them because it's just not <laughs> worth it. <laughs> I wrote a book, uh, and just to say that I had, and I did it the year that my first son was born. And it was a tough year. It totally, was a tough year. I totally get it. Yeah. My, I raced my son. My wife said it was a race, and he came first. And I was actually writing the chapter while she was giving birth. So. <laughs> well, Not C-sharp. a claim that I'm very popular with. Yeah. Now, if you're going to pick a topic to go deep on, C-sharp, boy, that's got some depth, huh? It's been around. You know, we're, we're, we're going on 17 years here, and, and the language has gone through some significant changes, um, significant improvements. I don't think it's really changed. But it's imp- improved. Uh, and so there's, there's a lot of breadth there. There's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff to cover, a lot of stuff to learn, and you'll find that certain features you use every single day, and some features you only use occasionally. It just depends on which niche or what particular type of programming you're doing. It tries to be broad and, and useful for everybody, and so if you're doing a lot of threading, there's a ton of stuff in threading that's available for you to go ahead and use. If you're using a lot of stuff with scripting or dynamic kinds of approaches, you can do that too. It has a breadth to cover a wide range of scenarios. Yeah, it's really capable. I, I always say that I think that C-sharp is easily the most semantic uh, language in the world. It's, it feels like it's been, all the, the naming conventions are good such that when you break in and you try to learn a new thing, like let's say you get into the threading library, the names of things actually make sense. Sure, you sure. Know, because they were engineered to make sense. Yeah, that's true. And, and a lot of what makes C-sharp uh, significant is the fact that it comes along with the framework, right? It's not C Sharp on its own. Clearly, there's language about it, yeah. but you have to get the framework as well. And that's true in, in any, any language. Yeah. If you're going to program in JavaScript, it's not that the JavaScript you know, language itself is any good. In fact, you know, we'd question how great it is. But at the end <laughs> of the day, what it allows you to do with the framework that you can use for it is incredible. Yeah. Uh, and that the power of C Sharp is not just in the language, although I think it's, it's significant, but it's also in the .NET framework that comes with it. And now that we've got .NET and open source, uh, we can see that 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 platform is just flying ahead of where it sort of stagnated for a while back in 2010. Yeah, you know, when you learn a new language, I think you spend a small amount of time learning the semantics and the syntax. You spend a great deal of time orienting yourself to a new object model and figuring out what objects exist. Yeah. I mean, it may yeah. be that the message box was there all along yeah. and you just didn't yeah. know, so you just didn't yeah. type it. Yeah, and I think that's, that's absolutely true. Um, although I find that if you don't know the language itself, you miss out on the finesse of being able to program and make it readable mm. and, yeah. and the features. I mean, you, you can go ahead and cross code, you know, task parallel library 
all you like without actually using things like async or, or you know different language features that allow yeah. you to write it more clearly and more understandably and in some cases do stuff that you can't do with just the library right so so the language itself sort of dovetails that they sort of marry each other in order to allow you to, to have a great uh, programming experience and, and create cool cool stuff well so many times when a new feature comes out like I'm thinking about when the lambda functions came out and I at first did not get it. I didn't yeah. know why I needed yeah. this thing yeah. called a lambda. It just looked like a new symbol yeah. Yeah. that was a little bit confusing. But then when I finally learned it, I realized where was this feature all right. my life? I absolutely love this. And right. correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of the features in yeah. C Sharp 7 are just like that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think in, in C Sharp 7, we're, we're not seeing sort of a radical thing. It's not like we suddenly in, came up with a link again in C Sharp 7 yeah. or something equivalent to that. But, but I, I look at specifically things like tuple, and I, and I think you find that that starts to permeate your code in many different places. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and there's things that you can do in C Sharp 7 that you could never do before, not because it's a, synt a syntax improvement, but because it just wasn't possible. Uh, we had the ability to work with tuples, but it was a pretty verbose, it was just a .NET framework capability. Mm -hmm. And this is a great example where the language dovetailed with the, the, the new data type, in this case value tuple, and we now have got th those two together to enable a, a totally different type of expression in the way we program. And before we had you know, tuple, system.tuple in, in C Sharp 6, and it was barely used, barely touched, because it didn't have the language feature that came with it. Now with value tuple and the ability to have sort of tuples pass back and forth as first class types and as literals, it really changes the capabilities of what you can, uh, not what you can do, but the way you can talk and, and use the, the value tuple. That wasn't possible with system.tuple. So can we uh, step back a little bit, and we want to talk today about the features that are coming in C Sharp 7. Okay. And, um, well, here, right? We're, we're already at C Sharp 7. So they've been available now for... Then, yeah, not coming, coming yeah, but yeah, have yeah. come. Yeah, 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 good point, good point. Um, so can you give us an overview of what it is that's coming? Is it, a, is it a small bulleted list? Is it a big bulleted list? Are there categories of, of features that have been added? Yeah, I mean, if I just list them o overall, you know, the ability for, there's little stuff like, okay, now you've got a binary type. I mean, you can actually go 0B11001. You can actually, ah. write, I mean, just what you've always wanted, you know, it's, yeah, it's right. right there. Um, and then the ability, if you get really long binaries, you can actually separate them with underscores so if it becomes clear. I mean, this is, this, I, I guess I would argue, it's, it's fairly piddly kind of stuff. Yeah, right. Uh, if you're writing binary numbers, it's actually probably simpler to write them as a binary number rather than writing as one, two, eight, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, those are, those are fairly simple things. I think the big features, uh, tuple, as we've talked about already, is a huge part of what's been added. And I think that does give you capabilities. It turns out that tuple actually replaces earlier features. We used to program with anonymous types in the context of link. And for a large part, in fact, I would say 99% of the time, you'll never use an anonymous type again. Once you've got tuples, the anonymous type is essentially deprecated. I don't mean it's not supported or not used, but there's, there's virtually no reason to ever use an anonymous type again. And that was a first-class feature of C-sharp well, 3.0. Let me jump in there without letting you get, I don't want to derail you, but um, with anonymous types, I can create a, a bit of a, of a structure. Can I do the same thing with tuples, and does that require nested value tuples? Is that how that works? Well, you could do that. I, I, I think more of anonymous types used in the context of link, where you're going to query over a large, you know, right. an oracle table where there's 100 fields or something like that, and you want to bring back just a few of those fields. You don't want to bring back the whole entire um, 
data table structure sure, and put yeah. that in an object. So we used to use anonymous types to bring back just, just a couple fields and, and just select it. Just yeah. select those two things. Yeah. We, it was a great place where we used anonymous type, and it could have been more than just key and name. It could be name, first name, last name, age. It could be a bunch sure. of stuff. Yeah. But it allowed us to do this this um, sort of separation of just give me the stuff that I need. Mm -hmm. And anonymous types were the feature to go do that. And the advantage being that you could filter out just the vertical part of the table that you wanted and instantiate a type on the fly without even having to go declare a class. Right. Um, now we just return that tuple. And what's different about tuples than we've seen in any other language is that we can now name the items within the tuple. Mm -hmm. And the ability to name is a huge part of what makes the C Sharp 7 so powerful. We had system.tuple back in C Sharp 6, yeah. but everything, all the properties on that tuple, all, all eight properties, properties or all, all eight items was item one, item two. And yeah, there was no way to give right. it meaning. So we used anonymous types because it was still, it gave you structure, it gave you meaning and to your code. And weren't there definitions for tuples with one, tuples with two, tuples yeah, with three, yeah, and so yeah, on? Yeah. yeah. And now in C Sharp 7, I can actually name the, ty the, the properties or the fields that are coming back. So I can actually have, you know, a person.first name and person.last name even though I'm not instantiating or declaring a class. But what if I want person.address.city? Can I have, that's the structure that I'm wondering. Yeah, about. You, you can still do that. I think once you start, so it's totally possible, mm -hmm. right? That's a totally supported way to do it. But I think once we start to get into a hierarchical structure, we're more likely to go ahead and say, look, let's make this a first class citizen. Let's actually declare a class. Yeah. I mean, the tuples mm -hmm. for on-the-fly types that you're not going to reuse, yeah. it's not that you can't. It's just that if you're going to give that much structure, it might be time to declare a class. And we shouldn't get away from good OO structure and, and first class types. Uh, you know, you think of that specific example and say, well, let's go do it this time. I need an address type. And then yeah. in some other code somewhere else, you're going to really sort of really redeclare a tuple right. of that and then they've got no comparison to them, they're not associated with it, it's, it's questionable whether you should use, yeah. use a full C-sharp C -sharp type for, for that scenario. Okay, so we're enumerating features, getting an overview of the stuff that's in C-sharp 7, yep. the new stuff. You said tuples is a big one, what else? The next one is pattern matching. So okay. if you look at the two biggest features uh, in C-sharp 7, it's gonna be tuples and pattern matching. Oh, okay. And, and I think we're only on the, the beginnings of what pattern matching is going to become in the language. But the key feature that we get with pattern matching is that we can check a pattern, check whether something is of a specific type, and declare the variable of that type at the same time. And if you think about how we used to do this before, we used to say, hey, is this integer or is this variable an int? And once we got confirmed that yes, it is an int, then we'd go cast the int, yeah. or cast this, the object into an int. And it was sort of two or three lines to do every time. And with pattern matching, what's changed is now we can go and say, is this of the specific type? And declare the variable with which we want to sign that type into at the same time. So we can both check the type, declare the variable, assign the variable, and there's a third feature uh, similar to what we had with exceptions in C-sharp 6, we can actually say, and is the property, or we can ask a, a sort of filter question about saying, hey, is the name on this, you know, Inigo Montoya, at the same time that we check in, is the type a person object? Mm -hmm. And so pattern matching allows us to do way more than just uh, check, are you of the specific type? It allows us to also go ahead and assign that variable to an, uh, sorry, assign the result to a variable and also do some filtering. So we can now use if statements with pattern matching, and we can do switch statements with pattern matching. 
Uh, the caution is don't use this if you can use polymorphism. Polymorphism is a okay. better solution. Okay. But assuming polymorphism is not possible, for example, you can't control the base class and there isn't a shared interface that you can use, then you want to use pattern matching. And we'll, I think these two by far are the biggest features uh, in C-sharp 7. And, and both of them, I think, will change the way you program for the specific scenario. Uh, in the case of pattern matching, we've now got switch statements that are not limited to uh, literal types. We can now do a switch statement on anything. It can be on a person object, it can be an object, it can be on anything. We can actually, we're not limited to the types that can be expressed as literals. Yeah. Uh, so we're starting to see these changes as the language sort of expands and becomes more mature. Um, and those are the two big features. And, and then as, as uh, C-sharp is um, turned on in so many different scenarios like mobile, you know, using Xamarin, yeah. then, and, and Unity, you know, yes, for games exactly, and stuff exactly. like that, then all of a sudden all these features are going into all these different methods of programming. Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, that's key. As you start to look at something like Unity or Xamarin, we start to see the same language used all over the place. And, you know, as we start to see it build, there's, there's or, or things like .NET Core, where the same APIs are combined with that because the API itself, the framework itself, is now going cross-pad as well. And that allows me to reuse my knowledge over and over again, regardless of which platform I'm programming for. And that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a big deal. I can just sort of reuse the skills. And I'm not saying in any way, hey, don't go learn a new platform. or go. That, that doesn't uh, take away from the need yeah. to do that. But the ability to re-leverage those skills over and over again is, yeah. is a huge thing to your ability to sort of um, be cross-plat and start going many uh, to much more broader spectrum of yeah. not just doing Windows programming. I know as a developer, I never want to get um, tracked in a project that's gonna it's gonna teach me something that's completely proprietary, and I know I'm not gonna be able to take it out of that yeah. project and use it anywhere else. Yeah. I want to be working on like I want my my everyday where I'm doing this hard work of figuring out how how to navigate my object right. space and how to right. understand my right. syntax. Right. I want all that work to be reusable, right? right? I, I want to go forward with it. Completely, so. and, and I think you know, the change to go to open source was the radical change to allow all yeah. developers to sort of feel like, heck, there's no harm in being doing this. I've yeah. got a great future, and, and anything that Microsoft decides to do is an open source thing that everyone's yeah. going to have to accept and agree yeah. with and, and support. And if there's any way in which I want to customize it, I can just... Yeah, you know, I, I think... Even with the C-sharp, I mean, you can literally go download the C-sharp compiler and make modifications and make a pull request. Yeah. Now, whether it's accepted, <laughs> I think we're all glad that everything is not accepted. Yeah, yeah. But the community is making changes to C-sharp that we're now seeing in the next version of the language. Uh, and so we are actually seeing people submit changes into you know, Roslyn and the C-sharp compiler that are now appearing as first-class citizen within the language. When we go talk about C-sharp 7, there are features that were added by the community. That's to get wonderful. there because of the fact that it's open source. Uh, and, and a lot of that is sort of Microsoft doesn't have the, the wherewithal or the bandwidth to go do everything. And so for people to come and put these little things in there is, is a, big, um, a big advantage of, of choosing an open source platform. And, and I go and, and visit you know, companies and, and, and uh, I talk to customers and they sort of have this impression that, that Java is, is open source and it's not even close, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's the idea, I don't know how they develop this reputation, but to literally have the compiler and the framework be 100% open source is a huge, a huge advantage to me as a developer. And it allows people like Unity to adopt it and say, hey, let me go ahead and use that as my core platform that I'm going to go And as use. a language that has already demonstrated 
leaps and bounds more innovation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Unity is on, on Mono still today, so they've still got some work to do to get forward. But yeah. clearly, the motivation for them to say, no, forget it. I want to use Roslyn as my yeah. compiler. They are working hard to figure out how do we go ahead and get off of this <laughs> legacy, legacy platform uh, onto a platform that is open source that we can take advantage of all the features coming forward and not worry about licensing restrictions. They literally went through a licensing change, right? They were on Mono you know, something like 3 or version 3 or something like that. Then there was a change in terms of licensing structure for future versions and they got stuck. And, and now for them to sort of move forward into, into using, uh, you know, dot, .NET Core and, and the C-sharp compiler that's provided by .NET Core is a huge, huge advantage for them that will prevent them getting those kinds of issues in the future. Okay, so I want to, I want to talk more about the kind of the macro view of C-sharp, but we were talking about features. Are there any more features that you want to enumerate in 7? Yeah, this, so there's still more. I mean, the another one I'd mention is the ability for you to go ahead and declare functions within functions. So we've got nested functions now, which is really a JavaScript feature. I think it's added because JavaScript uses that all over the place. Java really uses functions as a way of declaring objects, if you like. Mm -hmm. uh, and C Sharp's not doing, not, not trying to go to that extent because you still have classes in C Sharp. But the ability for you to declare functions within other functions or nested functions is actually providing a feature that you never had before. Because before, you would declare a function that had to be at class level scope. And it may have created a scenario where the function could be called directly where it was inappropriate. By nesting it inside another function, you're essentially saying it is only callable by that function, okay. and only that function will so it's an always do it. Feature. It is an encapsulation feature, one that we never had before. Yeah. Um, there's, there's some other things. There's ability to return by ref. Uh, so we didn't have that that before, and we can do return by ref, which is really a performance feature. It's, it's a niche feature for specific scenarios where you're doing a lot with memory. Uh, so that would be another one that, that, I would, that I would add in there in terms of what, what you can do. Okay. Destructuring is one of my favorites. Yeah, I brought okay. it up before. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So so it's 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 interesting. So the idea in the in the this, uh, deconstructor deconstructor just to be clear of the term, not destructor. A deconstructor essentially we have this ability since C sharp 1.0 where we pass in a bunch of objects or, or <laughs> data types into an object and we can encapsulate it into a class. And so that was easy. You call the constructor and you get encapsulated into this this class. But there was no way to deconstruct it back out again. So if you wanted to deconstruct it back out again, you could do things like, well, let me write a method with lots of out parameters and return each of the items within that parameter as, an, as an out, or each of that method as out parameters. Or now with C Sharp 7, we could return a tuple. Uh, and, and what happens with the, uh, the deconstructor is that we can now declare a tuple um, or something like tuple syntax with you know, four or five different variables or, or whatever, you, whatever you like. And we can assign the, the person object into those four or five variables as just one assignment. It's just an equal sign, and boom, I get this, this tuple out. And that's the deconstructor. It's a basically opposite of a constructor, specifically called a deconstructor, that, uh, that deconstructs the object into its constituent parts. Hmm. And, and the, the syntax is easy. It's very clear to see. OK, I go ahead and make this assignment. Uh, we have one sort of weird or, or new thing that happened in C Sharp 7 to support this. And that is that in, for the deconstructor, you have to call a method called deconstruct. And we sort of got this magical name that said it's called deconstruct. And if you call it deconstruct and you have these out parameters, you can go ahead and, and declare a deconstructor. And so it's one of the unique, we don't have this a lot in C Sharp where we have magic names, if you yeah, like, right. for methods. I mean, there are others, but this is, this is the, the, the first time we've sort of seen that happen. 
And a question I get often is, hey, if I'm doing that, is that going to break my code? What if I happen to already call a method deconstruct? And the reality is, no problem. I mean, if you called it that, it's not going to change the meaning. And it just enables you to assign an object to a tuple yeah. uh, using tuple syntax, which wasn't available before C Sharp 7. Uh, and so, no, there's no breaking changes with C Sharp 7 just because you can support it. It's interesting because the, the same concept, the ability to essentially assign to a structure an object um, and have the, uh, the, that object be on the left side of the assignment in JavaScript is called destructuring. Yes. So I think this was, I saw debates about this as you look at the, at, at the language being developed in the, in the, in the forums on, on GitHub. Uh, about, hey, I want to go ahead and use, use this term or not use the term. And, and Microsoft decided that the, the reality of the term, it is a deconstructor. We had taken yeah. an object that we construct, and we're now breaking it down into its constituent parts. We're destruct, uh, deconstructing it. And, and they wanted, it, it is interesting where they made an intentional not choice not to follow yeah. you know, a, a, a prior language name that yeah. had been given. Uh, and, and there was debate about it. Hey, you know, the trend has already been set. Let's reuse that. And the explicit decision was, no, let's use language the way it's, yeah. it was, is the actual term. And right. we're deconstructing. We're not destructing. And, right. and let's use that correctly. Yeah, so. and sometimes that's the very best choice you can make is to have a single entity, whether that's an organization or a standards committee or whoever, but some, some single organization say, we're going to determine what the names are because we have visibility into the future of... Right. The, yeah, the or, yeah, or saying, hey, you know, at some point, when, do, when is the correction ever going to get made? Are we going to live with this, with a, a, a not uh, ideal name, or are we just going to say, look, we're going we're gonna to just do it, even though it's different from our yeah. predecessors? Um, if you don't do some of that, you end up with something like CSS, where right. the naming is just a little bit Right, insane. you know, I mean, in some ways, I look, at, I look at JavaScript this way, and I go, you know, JavaScript is incredibly powerful as a platform, and there's nothing like it. I mean, nothing will ever compete with JavaScript. But man, I wish they'd made some earlier corrections. <laughs> I mean, I just wish that you know, V2 had been, you know, right. I, that, that there's so many places where, where I would have loved to see somebody have the boldness and the courage to say, stop the madness, let me make some improvements. Not that JavaScript isn't amazing as a platform, it is, but from a language perspective, it just doesn't have the, the finesse and the design intention right, right. Uh, behind the, uh, the language structure. Yeah, so. and I love JavaScript and I completely agree with that. Yeah, no, and again, I, I, I get why people love yeah, it, but they yeah. love it because of the platform, not because yeah. the language, right? right? Yeah. And that's the key difference. So let's talk about this. We've got all these different languages and we've got people who dedicate their entire career to being good at using these languages, do you feel like the languages are converging? Or do we as developers and a community even want convergence? Or do we want our languages to have their own unique particulars? I, I definitely don't think we want them all to converge. Uh, you know, languages have specific niches. If you look at the comparison between F Sharp and C Sharp, I mean, C Sharp had been around for, what, I'm guessing around 10 years before F Sharp came out, plus or minus a couple there. And, and yet, there was still the burden of saying, hey, we want, want F-sharp. We want the uh, qualities of, of um, immutability and the ability to support threading uh, in certain ways and do financial stuff and focused. That was, that was a, there was a community of people that said, I really want the value of what F-sharp provides. Um, you know, we do see a lot of overlap. If you look at TypeScript and, and C-sharp, clearly, 
you know, we've got the, the founders of C-sharp working on TypeScript and bringing a lot of the, uh, the features that were in TypeScript. I mean, we've even got, it's not just generics, you know, but, but we've got the ability, uh, I'm trying to think of a feature that's in, in uh, TypeScript. You know, certainly Lambda expressions and things like that are emerging into TypeScript, which ultimately, of course, is, is JavaScript. And, and they are the same people that are designing the language and coming up with, with that, and we're seeing a, an incredible overlap. But at the end of the day, the, the two right now have got completely different purposes. Right? Mm -hmm. Ty uh, TypeScript is designed to give me better JavaScript and give me compiled JavaScript such that I'm no longer waiting for actual execution to verify my code. There is at least some kind of check-in that I didn't have a spelling error or a, ty a typo or something like that, which, which we get in C-sharp, but C-sharps is not uh, the power that it is without the platform that it's running on top of. And so C-sharp is, is as powerful as it is because of the platform, but it doesn't have the ubiquity that JavaScript does. And so the language is really designed around, or not designed, it's, it comes with the platform, and you can't ignore the fact that it comes with platform. Will we see and have we seen features be adopted from one language to another? Of course, it's certainly from Microsoft. When yeah. you look at F-sharp, Visual right. Basic, you know, C-sharp, there's no doubt about it. I, you know, if you talk to the team now that's working on the, you know, the language team, which is all one team, if you talk to them now, what they're really trying to do is sort of say, let me leave VB to be VB and not yeah. force a whole bunch of C-sharp features in there. And so we'll start to see some features that will emerge in one language or the other and not necessarily go to All both, them, unless yeah. it makes sense for both. Right. Um, and, and the same is, is true for C-sharp. I think we went through sort of a period of five, six years where it was like, okay, well, if you're going to add it to C-sharp, you're going to add it to the other language. And if it's already in the other language, you're going to add it. You know, we, so we went through that happening. Uh, but I think we're starting to say, okay, the languages are mature at this point, mm -hmm. and we want to respect what the nuance is of each language and make sure we keep that capability. You know, I can't predict that they'll all become one. You know, I, I wonder what the next language is going to be and why is it created. Mm -hmm. uh, but, we're st but we are seeing, you know, even C sharp start to become must, much less formal, right? The ability for you to move to C sharp script where we no longer have to declare a class. Right. The things like that that are starting to happen, that are mm -hmm. saying, let me, let me give some informality to the way that, that C-sharp is, um, is always available. Uh, and so we're starting to see convergence, but, but a lot of that is because you know, JavaScript have influence. influence. Uh, you know, the nested function is a great yeah. example. Where, yeah, you know, if you'd asked the C-sharp team back in 2001, should we do nested functions, I would guess Without a doubt, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> there is no way we're going to go yeah. do that. And yet we're starting to see the team sort of relax and go, okay, it's not always about the formality um, and, and, the, and the rigidness. We need to give some okay. flexibility. Okay, so and then in this world where we have all of these languages, they have unique features, but there's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of uh, feature uh, sharing. What is the unique character of C-sharp? What is it that makes C-sharp C-sharp? Well, cl clearly, the, the, it's not different from, from F-sharp, but clearly the open source nature of C-sharp and the framework that comes with it, that's pretty unique to, to, um, against any other language except for, I would say, F-sharp, um, because we are seeing F-sharp. F-sharp's open source and it is built on the same framework. But F-sharp is specifically targeted a niche. If you look at the numbers of users and stuff like that, you know, F-sharp is, I think, below 10,000. I think. But what if you broaden it and you're comparing C-sharp to Java and JavaScript and Erlang? Well, and all, all well yeah, I mean, but let's, let's start to look at sort of things like PHP and, th and things like that. I don't see those languages even coming close to 
I, I don't think the language is actually a fo focus of those platforms. By the way, there is a PHP version of .NET, so you can actually <laughs> compile PHP to .NET. WordPress is running on, can be run on, on .NET. Um, but, but I think the informality of the scripting language, what really makes C Sharp powerful is that it is strongly typed. So if you look at the languages that are popular today, PHP, JavaScript, and C Sharp, I, I put as, as to, towards the top, ignoring things like SQL. Um, it, it's C Sharp that remains to be the strongly typedness, and the feature of that is huge. Yeah. Um, and the reality is, it gives you the ability to do true IntelliSense. It gives you the ability to check your code to at least some, uh, mostly or large part, to some extent, let's say, with a compiler that you, you don't get when you're starting to program in, in JavaScript. Um, I think the uniqueness is a combination of the fact that it is strongly typed from a language perspective. It comes with an amazing framework. Uh, it comes with an open source capability that you can submit back and make changes to. Uh, and at the end of the day, it is a mature language that can do pretty much anything, uh, cover a broad spectrum of programming, whether mm -hmm. it's multi-threading, command line programming, or, or even if you go to things like WPF and XAML. Uh, C Sharp has the ability to work over all those spaces, and that makes it extremely broad and yeah. for a lot of applications. And with open source now, it's, it's cross-platform as well. It doesn't run in the browser. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, but it is cross-platform. We can write Xamarin code that's going to work across um, a lot of platforms. Yeah. So. Okay, well, Mark, thank you so much for the chat. Let's go ahead and wrap it up unless there's anything else you want to share no, with developers. No, this was great. Appreciate it. Thanks All so right. much. Okay. All right. Thanks, Thanks everybody, for joining us on Code Chat. We'll see you next time.